family, welcome to the Hands Up, Don't Shoot podcast, where I, your host, Ashley Franz Howell, tell the stories of Black victims of police brutality. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode five. Today, I'll be telling you the stories of Terrence Crutcher and Kendra James. Terrence Crutcher was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma on August 16, 1976 at St. Francis Hospital. His parents were Reverend Joey and Leanna Crutcher, and he had two other siblings, including his twin sister, Tiffany. Music was Terrence's passion. He loved to sing, but when he was younger, he was pretty shy when it came to singing in public. Eventually, he was able to overcome his public singing fear and begin singing in church and in choirs around Tulsa. Terrence graduated from Central High School in 1995, and later he met Franchelle Johnson, who became his common-law wife. He had four children in total, three daughters, and a son. Terrence was described as having a big heart, compassionate, and a family man who just loved hosting dinners and cookouts. Like I mentioned earlier, Terrence's passion was in music. He was studying music appreciation at Tulsa Community College, and he was also a member of New Heights Christian Center for over 25 years, and he sang in the choir there as well. He was even a member of the Tulsa chapter of the Gospel Music Workshop of America, which is an international conference that brings gospel lovers from all over the world together annually. He was focused on his dream of becoming a gospel singer. On the evening of September 16, 2016, Tulsa officers were responding to 911 calls from two drivers about an abandoned vehicle in the middle of the road. And one of the calls mentioned that a man who we now know was Terrence was running away from his SUV saying that it was going to blow up. And one of the calls also says, quote, somebody left their vehicle running in the middle of the street with the doors wide open. The doors are open. The vehicle is still running. It's an SUV. It's in the middle of the street. It's blocking traffic. End quote. Tulsa officer Betty Jo Shelby was the first to arrive, um, but she was actually not one of the responding officers, she was actually on her way to a domestic violence call, but stopped when she saw Terrence and his car in the middle of the road. So it was said that she had immediately suspected that Terrence was on PCP, and one of her attorneys, Shannon McMurray, said that Officer Shelby was trained to spot people on PCP. We do find out later from the medical examiner that Terrence actually did have PCP in his system. Now, we do have video of this incident, and it's actually from two different angles. But the part right before Terrence is shot is fairly difficult to make out, and even though we do have two angles, neither angle is is good enough for us to make out exactly what happened in those moments before. Um, In the show notes, you'll find a link to this episode's page on the website, 
and you'll find the sources there and in the sources you'll find the link so that you can watch the video for yourself and kind of figure out what what you see one angle we get is from a police helicopter and that shows the scene from above and the other is from the dash cam of one of the officers at the scene Officer Shelby never turned her body camera on at all during the encounter. And in the moments before the cameras were rolling, it was reported that Terrence was partially compliant. So allegedly he was walking around with his hands in his pockets and Officer Shelby told him to remove his hands and stop walking. He did take his hands out of his pocket, but he did continue walking. Um, and again, we only have this one side to the part of the story. So then this is where the video comes in. I want to talk about what we see, but I also want to talk about what we hear. Honestly, there is a part of the audio that makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, there was a comment that was said and you'll hear it for yourself. So the first half of the video is from the dash cam footage and the second half is the view from the helicopter. It's Jen, Nikki Six. James Hetfield is sitting in with us tonight. Speaking of like pleasing your fans and always facing the officers walking towards his SUV with his hands up. And running behind him is Officer Shelby with her gun in her hand. And then shortly after her is Officer Tyler Turnbow with his taser in his hand. So when Terrence gets to the driver's side of his SUV, we see two more officers run up behind him. The part that comes next is where it's sort of unclear and even with the video, it's just, it is difficult to see. So we see Terrence facing the SUV. Now, one side of the story says that Terrence reached inside of his window, but another side said that his window is up. We later learn about this side because it was mentioned that there was blood dripping down the window and onto the car door. And the only way it could have made that pattern was if the window was up. So unfortunately, it's unlikely we'll be sure. After a few moments, we hear a pop sound and 
Terrence falls to the ground with blood staining his shirt. Terrence was shot with both the taser and the gun at the same time. Officer Shelby said that she feared Terrence was reaching for a gun, but during the investigation, there was no gun found. So now we get to the view from the helicopter. And like I mentioned earlier, there was one part of the audio that sort of stood out to me that there was a comment made that I didn't really care for. Um, One of the officers in the helicopter says, quote, that looks like a bad dude too, must be on something, end quote. So this officer is in a helicopter in the air and looking at the scene from an aerial view. And so I really want to know how he came to that conclusion. From what we see in the video from above, Terrence is walking away from the officers with both hands up. And so I just want to know, like, what did he see that made him want to call Terrence a bad dude? The medical examiner said that both of Terrence's lungs were pierced and he had four broken ribs. Terrence was 40 years old. On September 22nd, Officer Shelby was arrested and charged with first-degree manslaughter. She posted bail and awaited her trial. And if she was convicted, she would have faced four years in prison. On May 17th, the next year, after deliberating for about nine hours, the jury found Officer Shelby not guilty and she was acquitted of all of her charges. Since being arrested, Officer Shelby had been on unpaid leave. And so when she went back to work the week after her trial, she was put on administrative duty but she was able to receive back pay for those months that she was on leave. A few months later, at the beginning of August, Officer Shelby resigned from the Tulsa Police Department, and a week after her resignation, she was sworn in at Rogers County Sheriff's Office as a reserve deputy, which is basically a volunteer supplemental law enforcement officer. In August of 2017, Shelby and her attorneys petitioned the court for the manslaughter case records to be expunged, and two months later, that request was granted by District Judge William LaFortune. I did learn that when a record is expunged in Oklahoma, it isn't actually destroyed but it is sealed and stored for 10 years. So that actually leaves an option for a petition for court records to be unsealed. Terrence's family took the case against Officer Shelby to the federal courts, stating that she violated Terrence's civil rights. But on March 1st, 2019, the Justice Department announced that there wasn't enough evidence to pursue federal criminal civil rights charges against her. Terrence's family 
decided that they would make some good come out of this heartbreaking situation. So on August 16th, 2017, Terrence's twin sister, Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, and their parents launched the Terrence Crutcher Foundation. And I want to quote their mission. The mission of the Terrence Crutcher Foundation is to engage the community, law enforcement, and policymakers in creating and sustaining an approach to prevent, identify, and address issues of inequality pertaining to minorities in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and around the country. The Terrence Crutcher Foundation is committed to empowering, developing programs, and raising awareness regarding issues that impact at-risk, disenfranchised people of color with an emphasis on African-American males and youth. It is our desire to change the narrative that perceive Black men as bad dudes and pipeline them into a community of achievers through personal growth, education, and attainable resources. So that is pretty wonderful. Um, and I'm happy that they were able to, to do something good in honor of Terrence. And that family was the story of Terrence Crutcher. Now I'm going to move to the story of Kendra James. Kendra S. James was born on December 21st, 1981 in Portland, Oregon to parents Shirley Isidore and Kenneth James. Kendra lived in Portland for her entire life where she was a stay-at-home mom to two young boys who were three years old and 18 months old at the time of her death. On May 5th, 2003, Kendra was hanging out with two friends and at 2.40 a.m., Officer Rick Bean had pulled over a 2002 Chevy Cavalier that Kendra was riding in. The officer pulled the car over because it didn't stop at a stop sign before making a turn, um, and it was reported that he had actually started following the car when it left from a hotel because apparently that hotel was kind of known for not so good activity. And so he figured that since they were leaving from the hotel, they were up to no good. And so Kendra was sitting in the back of the car and there was another friend in the passenger seat. When Officer Bean pulled the car over, he learned that the driver didn't have a license and then he called for backup because there would be multiple people to arrest. And so officers Scott McAllister and Kenneth Reynolds responded to the call and the driver and the other passenger were placed into custody without incident. So in my research, unfortunately, I could not find a reason why the other passenger was arrested, but they said he was taken into custody. When the three officers were away from the car, Kendra moved to the driver's seat and, according to the police, she started to try to drive away. But what happens next has me a bit skeptical about this story. 
And again, we are always circling back to not having all sides to these stories. But Officer McAllister tried jumping into the car to pull Kendra out. And this is him trying to jump into the car on the driver's side, so where Kendra was sitting. First, he grabbed her hair, but since it was a wig, it came off. And then he said he tried using pepper spray, but didn't, but it didn't work. And so it's possible he may not have had his finger in the correct position for the spray to actually come out. And Officer Reynolds shot a taser at Kendra, but it didn't penetrate her clothes to make contact with the skin. So that was also ineffective. Officer McCollister said that he then put his gun to Kendra's head and told her to turn off the engine, but instead she put the car in drive and the car began to roll forward. So we're going to go back to what was mentioned earlier where Officer McCollister said she tried driving away right after she got in the front seat, but then he says... When you put the gun to her head, she put the car in drive. And so there's that disconnect there. And I just, I'm not really sure which part is the truth. And unfortunately, we will probably never know what the real story is. And again, we only have the officer's word to go off of. So we can't be exactly sure of the timeline of events. But By this point, most of Officer McAllister's body was inside of the car with Kendra while his left foot dragged along the pavement. And it was then that he shot her. So the bullet entered her hip and traveled up her body, ultimately killing her. The officers pulled Kendra's body out of the car, handcuffed her, and left her unattended while they set up a police perimeter. Kendra was 21 years old. Allegedly, the officers involved either spoke to one another or went out to dinner later that evening. And this violated a department code that actually prevents officers from speaking to one another after being involved in a deadly incident. And this is to preserve the integrity of the investigation. A trial was held against Officer McAllister, and shortly after, the grand jury found him not criminally responsible, and it was said that he was justified in his actions. A few months later, Kendra's family began their civil case against the city of Portland and sued them for $10 million. Emotional testimonies were given and evidence was presented during the trial, but the judge denied the request. Fifteen years after her death, a memorial was created for Kendra. It has her photo along with the words, Black Lives Matter and Say Her Name. Another sign for the memorial says, Let's build a community where no one is killed by cops. Unfortunately, that is something that we're still hoping for and something that from right now seems a long way away.
that was the life and death of Kendra James. I want to thank you so much for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook by searching for the Hands Up Don't Shoot Podcast group, on Instagram at HudsPod. You can send me an email at HudsPod at gmail.com. You can check out my website at www.hudspod.com. Remember, HudsPod is spelled H-U-D-S-P-O-D. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you get the latest episodes. And if you don't mind, leave me a five-star review. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.